hello and welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. <clears throat> welcome to another edition of our daily devotional. So if you remember, our daily devotional is divided up into two segments. We have our first of the day segment, and we have our through the Bible <coughs> in one-year segment. So our verse of the day segment today comes out of Romans 8, 1 through 4. So we have moved from the obscure prophets of the Old Testament to a rather famous and often used passage in Paul's letter to the Roman church. So here's what that verse says, so Romans 8, 1 through 4, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, (coughs) who gives life, has sent you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So Paul, in this chapter, in chapter 8, moves from a gloomy picture of his view of life for Christ to a joyous picture of the Christian life. (coughs) So the believer is not condemned, which is a way of expressing justification. So in other words, God no longer maintains the charge of disobedience for those of us who are in Christ. (coughs) So there are two reasons for this. Number one, the law has been dissolved. And number two, God did what the law could not do. So the reason there is no condemnation for believers is that the law which enslaved people (coughs) under the control of sin has been dissolved. So it's been dissolved. Not that it's been abolished, but it's been dissolved. Which means it's been fulfilled. Which means it's been made complete. So the laws of promise. The laws of promise of life, on the other hand, have been put into effect through Christ and the Spirit. And so all the blessings that the law promised belong to people in Christ. So the law was powerless on its own to bring about what it had promised, which was life for those who keep it. So that's verse 3, <coughs> or the first part of verse 3, which says, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weak by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So the law was weakened by the flesh. The flesh, as Paul describes it, not is not just weak, but rebellious. 
promise, however, come as, has come into effect because of God's action in Jesus, who was in every way like the rest of humanity, except without sin. So Jesus was a sin offering, the type of a sacrifice offered on, among other times, the Day of Atonement, which Paul has already referred to in his description of the cross, which occurred earlier in the Book of Romans. I would strongly urge you, if, you've not, if you haven't read the Book of Romans, to read the Book of Romans, because it's a really, really good book that is sent, that gives a great description of what we, as followers of Christ, actually believe. Right, so this sacrifice is how God brought the death sentence on the flesh, in other words, the old way of life. <coughs> so as a result of God's action described in verse 3, which is what we just saw, so at uh, the end of verse 3 it says, and so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So that goes through verse 4. So as a result of the action we just saw described, we have fulfilled the requirement of the law. Though we have not obeyed the terms of the law in a literal sense. So in other words, it's like we are sitting in on an elementary exam in which a virtuoso professional takes our place and plays an impossibly difficult piece as evidence of our competence. So the law is not fulfilled by 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 Christians, but in us by Christ, which is essentially what Paul is saying here in Paul's usual wordy way. So the passage of so what you mean to be caught up with today's Bible readings are 1 Samuel 18, 5 through 19, 24, John 8, 31 through 59, Psalm 112, 1 through 10, and Proverbs 15, 12 through 14. So that ends our verse of the day segment. We are now going to move into day 136 of our Through the Bible in One Year segment. So if you remember, we were going through the Gospel of John, and we were now, and we were into John chapter 6, right? So we are now finally coming to the end of John chapter 6. So we've already seen three of the four scenes that occur in John chapter 6. We've seen Jesus feed the 5,000. We've seen Jesus walk on the water. We've seen Jesus have this great discourse and discussion with the crowds that followed him after he crossed over the uh, Sea of Galilee about him being the bread of life. 
And now we come to this concluding scene, right, where we see three different responses to the comments that Jesus has just made previously. So those three different comments are desertion. Those three responses are desertion, devotion, and deception. So with that being said, we're going to pick up in John chapter 6, verse 60. And we're going to go through verse 66 first. So here's what that says. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. There are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So, many of Jesus' followers, you see, found his teaching so difficult to accept that they abandoned him. They turned their backs on him and ran away. Why? Well, were the teachings too hard? No, the teachings were not too hard to understand. But what was, what the hardship was, what the difficulty was, was for them to believe. So in other words, they understood in their minds exactly what Jesus had been saying in the previous section when he said, I am the bread of life. In other words, they understood and they knew in their head, right, that Jesus was saying, I'm the one who is going to sustain you, I'm the one that's going to provide for you. And they even understood in their heads that when he used the phrase, I am, he was essentially saying that he was God understood that in their head, but the difficulty was getting that head knowledge into their heart. They didn't want to get that head knowledge down into their heart. So the question they were asking themselves was, how could their eternal destiny depend on their acceptance of Jesus and of his teaching? That was their big reason why, right? That was why. So they were confused. They thought, well, all we have to do is believe that there's a God, right? And then he created the earth, and then he did all the things the Bible said. You just have to acknowledge that that's all true. Well, that's fine, well, and good. That means you've got it in your head, but that doesn't mean you got it in your heart. What they couldn't understand was, How could their eternal destiny, as Jewish people, depend on their acceptance of this 
crazy man who was claiming that he was God. So Jesus was aware that this crowd of people, who many of them had been following him for days and weeks, had rejected his teaching. And he told them that it would be even more difficult for them to believe when he was when the Son of Man, which is how Jesus described himself throughout the Gospel of John, was resurrected and ascended. So the reason they did not believe, this is the key part, key part, gotta understand this part. The reason they did not believe was because they had not received life from the Spirit. Jesus also knew the one who would betray him. Jesus told them one final time in this discourse and or discussion, whichever way you want to describe it, that salvation begins with God's initiative. God comes looking for you. The Holy Spirit moves within you. That's how salvation occurs. Without that happening, there is no salvation. Understand this. So what we see here is the first response to Jesus' message. In this last section, that first response is desertion. Because you see this group of people deserted Jesus and turned their back on him because they had all of the head knowledge in the world, but they didn't have any of the heart knowledge. So that's the first reaction. So now we're going to pick up in verse 70. And we're going to go through verse 71. Oh, excuse me, we're going to pick up at verse 67. Excuse me, go to verse 69. Skip a section there. Try to skip a section anyway. So here's what that section says. Do you not want to leave? You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And who are the twelve? They are his disciples. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Right? <clears throat> so, Jesus asked his disciples, Hey, do y'all want to leave me too? And all the rest of these people? And, uh, because you see the twelve, this, his, this inner circle. See, the crowd that deserted Jesus was not the inner circle. The twelve was Jesus' inner circle. They were the ones that Jesus was the closest to. They were the ones that Jesus spent a great deal of time with. You see, they had witnessed Jesus feed the multitude. They had witnessed Jesus walk on the water the previous day. They had listened to and understood and believed for the most part. And we're going to talk about that for the most part statement coming up. <coughs> uh, his death, Jesus' difficult teaching regarding eternal life. And yet, and yet despite crowned it, despite what society would have said they should do, the spokesman of this group, this loudmouth fisherman, who would become a 
and his little mouth, fish, fisherman, is Peter. Peter, who was speaking for the twelve, affirmed their faith and confidence in Jesus. So in spite, and despite, they had seen this large crowd, despite seeing this large crowd, turn their back on Jesus, walk away from Jesus, even though they had been following him probably for days and weeks and months, listening to everything he had been teaching, wanting to hear more of what he was teaching. And yet, this crowd, this large group, decided, this man's crazy now. This man is equating himself with God. This man is saying that he's the one that's going to <coughs> sustain us and provide for us. We know that's God's job, not a mere man's job. In fact, we know who this man is, because we know this man's mama and daddy. We know who his mama is, but we don't really know who his daddy is. We know who his who the daddy is that raised him, but we don't know who his daddy daddy is, if you understand what I'm saying. So this is the second response to Jesus' teaching that we see in this section, and that is devotion. As you see, the disciples chose to stay devoted to Jesus in spite of what everybody else in the world was telling them they should do. And so now we're going to come to this last section, which is the last two verses in John chapter 6, which say, Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. So you see, this chapter concludes on a foreboding note. You see, Jesus predicted that one of his disciples would betray him. One of these people that Peter had just said, Hey, we're completely devoted to you. Where else can we go? Who else can teach us the things that you are teaching us? We're with you to the end. Jesus predicted and he already knew that one of them would betray them. He knew that Judas was the traitor in the group. If you see, John wants his readers to know that Jesus was not caught off guard by the events leading to his arrest and crucifixion. And referring to the traitor as a devil means that he would oppose Christ, as Satan does. You see, this is the third and final response we see in this section. Deception. Deception, because you see, that's what Judas was doing. Judas thought he was deceiving Jesus, but in reality, he was just deceiving himself. For you see, the choice is yours about how you respond to Jesus' teaching, how you respond to Jesus' message that he gave in that third scene in John's Gospel where he says, 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Right? So that is the ultimate message, and you have to choose whether or not you believe that. Whether or not you're going to say, Okay, yes, I know that in my head that you are who you say you are, but my heart don't believe it. So because my heart don't believe it, I'm going to run away from you. I'm going to say, yeah, enough of this. this. This is crazy talk. This is nonsense. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to desert you. Or, or you could respond the way the disciples did. When they said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, we can respond with devotion. You can respond with love. The choice is yours. Or you can respond by being deceitful. You can respond by saying, Oh, yes, 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 yes. I believe in my head and I believe in my heart that everything you said is true. But in reality, you don't believe in your heart. In reality, you ain't believe in your head. Because you think you're deceiving Jesus. You think that you can deceive the one who knows all and sings all, just like Judas did. But you see, you gotta make a choice. You gotta choose whether or not you're gonna desert him. You're gonna have to choose whether or not you're gonna try and deceive him, but in the end, actually deceive yourself. Or you can choose to respond to him with love and devotion. So which one will you choose? But as the old knight, and Indiana Jones and the last of the crusade says, when the villain drinks from the wrong chalice, he chose poorly. Because you see, if you choose to desert Jesus, if you choose to try and deceive him, rather than being devoted to him and loving him, then there will be consequences of the eternal nature. And they will not only be of the eternal nature, but it will be devastating. Because you see, Judas chose to try and deceive Jesus. In the end, he ended up deceiving himself, and we all know what happened to Judas. He killed himself over what he did, rather than respond after he did that with devotion and love. You see, the crowds had devastating consequences. They rejected Jesus. Because they rejected Jesus, they missed out on the greatest gift of all, which is receiving the bread of life. And so we will pick up in John chapter 7, starting tomorrow. But in order for you to be prepared for that, here's what you need to read tomorrow. You gotta read for Samuel 20 and 21. You gotta read John chapter 9. You gotta read Psalm 113 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Through 114 8. And you gotta read Proverbs 15 15 through 17.